I'm Arthur Falls, and this time on the Internet Computer Weekly, I'm joined by Bob Bodley of Tonic Labs. What's your title at Tonic Labs, Bob? I'm coming on as the Chief Product Officer. So kind of leading up the product vision, Tonic has a lot of really exciting projects that we're working on right now, and really excited to lean into those and see where we can take them. The reason we wanted to jump on this call was to discuss your work on the ICP guide. You began publishing it shortly after launch, and it's been an incredible resource for the community. I recommend everyone check it out at icp.guide. And then the other thing was NFT Village. What was the URL for NFT Village? Yeah, you can access it at nftvillage.ai, and it will redirect to the long, friendly internet computer URL. Great. Let's begin by taking a look at how you found yourself involved with the internet computer. Yeah, great question. So I've been friends with a few people that have been really, really deep on Ethereum and Definity and the internet computer for a while. So they've been kind of sending me little nuggets of information like, hey, you should check this out. And so that was all interesting, but I never really got deep into it until mainnet launch in May. So finally, Internet Computer launches the Genesis event, and all of a sudden you could do something on the blockchain, meaning I could buy ICP from an exchange and I could stake it, and immediately I had governance rights and I could vote on NNS proposals. And this act of actually doing something on the blockchain was kind of revolutionary to me because I couldn't ever really do anything on Ethereum unless you were a developer. So I'm not a web developer, I'm a data scientist. Uh, I have a background doing some educational technology work. And as a non-technical person, you can't really do much on Ethereum other than a few kind of scattered web applications here and there. So just being able to get involved on the internet computer was I think what really sucked me in. And from there, I just realized that while Definity did a really good job with developer documentation, they were lacking on the non-technical side of things in terms of their documentation. And so I thought it would be really nice to just create an intro to the internet computer guide for anyone looking to come on. And so that's how the ICP guide came to be. It's pretty comprehensive. Yeah, we have a few resources regarding kind of just the internet computer, you know, what's a subnet, what's a node, how does consensus work, how does staking work. We have some pretty robust how to stake ICP guides in there. And then one of my favorite parts is we have an internet computer quiz. And it's not a quiz for the faint of heart. It goes really, really deep on a few different kind of niche or lesser known internet computer topics. So there have only been eight out of like 180 people that have gotten 100% on the quiz. So that's the challenge for the community is you got to go get 100% on the internet computer quiz. Oh, well, that's soon to be nine, I'd say. <laughs> Immediately after this, I'm just going to go there. I'm going to ace your quiz. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> no one's gotten 100% on the first try. So if you can do it, more power to you. Yeah, highly unlikely, I'd say. Oh, cool. It's awesome because, I mean, I identify with the approach whenever something new comes out or there's this like major epochal change. Personally, 
I respond to it just by making a podcast and using that as a tool to interview people and learn myself and build a body of knowledge. And it's interesting that you've done it by appropriately structuring information for people wishing to enter the ecosystem, which actually feels kind of productive. I'm feeling a bit wanting, actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a really good exercise for me to just dive deep and then to codify all of that kind of knowledge into an article that I can then share with the community. So I think it benefits the community and it's really helped me get a better understanding of how things are working at kind of the more deeper technical level. And on the subject of understanding, NFT Village is a fantastic resource for understanding the nature of NFTs and also the catalog of NFTs that are out there. Yeah, so NFT Village is a relatively simple site. You put in the ID of your NFT and then it displays all of the rarity information for that NFT. So this is important because usually people want to buy the most rare NFTs and they want to know more information about their NFT. So, you know, do I have a good one and why is it good and how does that look? And so when Tonic Labs released Chronix, there was no rarity information known. For NFTs on Ethereum or other chains, there's a tool called, I think it's Rarity Tools. Rarity.tools. And Rarity.tools will integrate different NFT collections and then provide a whole bunch of stats on the NFTs regarding rarity of different traits. And so NFT Village is essentially the Rarity Tools for NFTs on the internet computer. What's the URL for it? I'm on a different computer, so I can't log in. If you go to nftvillage.ai, then it will redirect you. When you load NFT Village, you'll see there's a little search bar. You just want to drop a token in there. So if you don't have a token ID, you can click view random token and it'll give you a random chronic. The chronics are NFTs out of Tonic Labs and it'll give you a bunch of battle trait information. So every chronic has kind of a gene set. They have visual traits as well as battle traits. And NFT Village will break down your battle traits and break down your visual traits. And then that will all give you kind of a comprehensive view of how rare or how valuable your chronic is. Do you have more than just chronics? Yeah, so we've integrated chronics and we've integrated stars from the Starverse. That was a Tonic Labs NFT drop collaboration with Discovery that happened just earlier this week. And then IC Punks just did their big drop today. And so we have integrated IC Punks already. So if you type a number, like type five or 10 or 15, it just pulls in that specific ID for the IC Punk. Oh, look at that. There he is. Five. Man, he's an intimidating looking character. Yes, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have equivalent metrics for measuring rarity and I guess the genetics of these other tokens as well? Yeah. So usually with an NFT, you'll have a set of attributes for that NFT. So you'll see for Icy Punks, they have a background, they have a body, they have a nose, a mouth, eyes, a head, and then a top. A top is like a hat or a mask or something like that. And usually an NFT will have anywhere from five to 10 different traits associated with it. And so then we break down not just your kind of overall combined statistical rarity, which you'll see there at the top, but also broken down by trait and how each individual trait 
is either adding to or subtracting from that overall rarity. Huh. It's pretty amazing. I suppose this comes down to the way that these NFTs are generated, which are essentially layered vectors, right? Yep. For Icy Punks, I think it's just an image, but their NFT standard includes kind of a metadata field where you can put the actual values that fit in that NFT. So that's helpful. Ah, right. Interesting. So I suppose where Chronics were just generated from a series of pre-created traits, Icy Punks were individually created. Am I right in assuming that? Well, not individually created. A chronic is an SVG, meaning it's, you know, layers of SVG elements. And while there isn't like a traits metadata field, you can actually go into the SVG and parse the traits out. For IC Punks, they decided that they would just serve up a flat image file for their NFT. So it's not a layered SVG, although they could have done that had they wanted to. And then they just accompany the image with the metadata for that NFT. So what are we looking at here? What does it mean to have an image with these arbitrary traits? It doesn't feel very substantial, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, so I think there are different drivers of value. One driver of value is rarity. So if you have a giant collection, but you have the rarest one, that's definitely going to be worth more than the floor price of the rest of the collection. Another driver of value is provenance, which means has anyone famous touted these NFTs or plugged for these NFTs or did someone else really famous used to own the NFT or was a really famous author used to generate these NFTs? And so rarity and provenance both kind of work together to determine value. And that's kind of your base layer. I really like to add on top of the base layer. So is there any value backing the NFT? Like, does the NFT grant me access into any kind of exclusive events? Or does it give me any kinds of community privileges? If so, then that's another kind of value driver for that NFT above and beyond the rarity and provenance that I already talked about. Right, because we're essentially talking about trading cards. And then there are these circumstantial factors that influence the value of specific trading cards above and beyond their rarity. It's funny because I was just looking, Damien Hurst's... um, Damien Hurst essentially made a bunch of prints, just prints of art and created NFTs representing ownership of those works of art. And first of all, he's like a for-profit artist, right? And he's deliberately created a way to increase the value of his art. It's very strange. It's almost like he's so capitalist, he's counterculture. It reminds me of For the Love of God, was that it? The diamond-encrusted platinum skull with human teeth in it that was actually designed by Jack DeRose, who's been developing Colony, which is another project for, I don't know, five years now. But Jack DeRose, who's this major crypto personality, actually designed Damien Hirst's gigantic platinum diamond-encrusted skull, a skull that Damien Hirst participated in the purchase of through a art investment group. And I think the idea was to increase the average sale value of all of the rest of his work. Really weird art market manipulation. It wound up selling for over $100 million and increased the average sale price of all of his art. So absolutely anyone who's invested, invested literally, because it's not like anyone buys this stuff because it's good to look at. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's way too mean to this guy. But he plays this game of art market manipulation. It's almost like he has been doing the NFT trading card game thing 
before it even came about with his own art. And here he is producing these prints that are themselves now these highly speculated upon items in a new exceptional marketplace that very much resembles the art world that he's mastered as a business person. Anyway, it's really interesting to dive into the actual drivers of value. And we actually have the metrics to understand this now, I suppose. Interesting. I'm just musing away here when I should be interviewing you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's totally good. Yeah. So one of the things with NFT Village, one potential path forward is doubling down on those kinds of metrics, not just showing rarity scores, but also analyzing past sales of those particular NFTs. All of those transactions are just stored on chain. So we could pull like sales history and start to make associations between rarity traits and sales volume. And then you can start to say, well, if you have an NFT that looks like this based on the traits it has, you can then assign it a market price almost. Once you get enough sales volume and you can start to get a sense for what people are actually valuing in the market. So that's one really interesting path forward for NFT Village, one potential path of many. Let's bring this back around to Tonic Labs and the NFT marketplace that's attached to the Stoic wallet. Do you have plans to integrate NFT Village into that marketplace? NFT Village is actually already integrated into the marketplace. If you go to the NFT marketplace Entrepot, then you'll see an NRI score on the individual NFTs in various collections. And those rarity scores come directly from NFT Village. Wait, so I'm looking at the Stoic Wallet Marketplace now and I see a GRI score. Yeah, so GRI was the kind of first round name. We called it a genetic rarity score for chronics. So that's what will show up in the Stoic Wallet Marketplace. But if you go to Entrepot, then you'll actually see the NRI score. It's basically the same score. We just renamed it to be a little bit more generic across NFT collections. What's Entrepot? That's the marketplace for NFTs that's outside of Stoic Wallet. It's E-N-T-R-E-P-O-T dot A-P-P. So here you can see multiple collections. In the Stoic Wallet marketplace, you'll only see Chronics, but in Entrepot, you'll actually see multiple different collections, some of which are community collections, meaning we've partnered with them to handle the NFT minting process and they bring the artwork and then we list it on the marketplace. Wow, so you guys are really starting to develop this notion of a NFT marketplace in a direction that I haven't seen other places. You know, when I think of NFT marketplaces, and this is, you know, due to my own ignorance, I basically have always loved John Crane's work with Super Rare. And that's been where most of my attention has gone to. I didn't realize that there was this depth of analysis that was taking place. Yeah, so we're hoping that we can kind of bring in like these rarity calculations even deeper into this marketplace. Like you could imagine a filter down the left side where you just kind of pick and choose the traits you care about and getting kind of real-time filtering on top of the marketplace. If you've looked at OpenSea, that's what OpenSea will do. It'll let you kind of filter on the left side and do really, really kind of granular searches. We've obviously just launched this. It's been like a month or so. And so lots of work to do still to make it, you know, a really clean, speedy user experience. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So what's next for Bob Bodley? What do you have in the pipeline for us? It's a great question. Obviously, joining Tonic Labs is extremely exciting. Getting in kind of early on and helping out to build these really cool projects that they have going on. I've been really, really deep into NFTs lately, specifically multifaceted value-backed NFTs. So really trying to push the boundaries of what we could do with NFTs on the internet computer. So I've been exploring what other people are doing on different chains, looking at kind of the limitations on other chains, looking at what's possible on the internet computer. Kind of speculating here, but I would really love to put together, maybe it's a Tonic Lab spinoff or something, but an NFT playground where it's just a set of developers and designers that just kind of play around with cool NFT ideas. You could imagine like communities submitting, I don't know, five or 10 or 50 different cool NFT applications and then just hacking around on it for a couple of weeks and seeing what sticks. This feels like we're actually moving into an evolved and hyper-commodified version of the meme markets that we've sort of been dabbling on with like shares and cryptocurrencies like Dogecoin, right? These are these like meme currencies. But now we're getting to the point where we're going to be able to speculate on what are effectively memes themselves, right? Like memes have always been a really interesting art form, but now we're actually going to be able to commodify that art, as repulsive as that might sound to some. <laughs> um, it feels to me like that's exactly what we're beginning to see. Yeah. One idea kind of building on the virality of memes. This is a cool idea that I would love to throw into this NFT playground idea, but imagine like a virus token and you only start with one token. And then when you share it with someone, they get a token and you get two tokens. So every time you share or send, like I would send you a token, you would get one and I would get two. Then I'm incentivized to send to more of my friends. So I get more token and you're incentivized to send to more of your friends. So you get token. And then eventually, as that spreads, I start amassing this huge pile of tokens that I could then use to do cool things, maybe mint NFTs or something. You could burn token and send to a canister to mint NFTs. But this kind of memeability or virality could be just baked into the token standard. Like you don't have to follow the strict you know, I send you the token and I lose it on my side and you gain it on your side. But there are lots of cool ways to play around with that idea. It's like virality without substance. It's almost like a virus with no genetic material. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but you can inject that material after the fact. Whoa, man, this is getting weird, man. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so is there more that we can do with this? Because right now we're looking at these mechanisms and really, like, let's face it, right? I see punks or like, you know, just layered SVGs randomly. I mean, there's not true substance here. You know, it feels even more substanceless than Damien Hurst's art. <laughs> you know, building on that, I'm excited about play to earn gaming economies. So if you can have NFTs that are characters in a game. So Chronix, for example, have a set of battle traits. And there's a battle game launching for Chronix in October. So you'll actually be able to buy Chronix on the marketplace, load them into your battle play to earn game, and then use them to earn in-game token that you can then either use to buy wearables or battle boosts or things like that, 
or eventually convert back to some sort of other kind of currency that you could actually spend. So the play-to-earn economy mixed with NFTs is really exciting. Yeah, and I suppose this all can kind of twist into a metaverse kind of idea. I think of what Decentraland has done and how we're starting to see, well, there was an art gallery recently launched on Decentraland where you can go and see collections of NFTs that have been placed for public display by their owners. Yeah, so that's another really, really interesting idea. I would love to have a metaverse on the internet computer where, I don't know, maybe you can stake NFTs to assist in building your own little empire or something, and then you can put your own NFTs on display. But also I'm imagining like a virtual world economy where you can start to provide value to others, maybe by staking NFTs, maybe through staking some kind of token. You could imagine crowdsourcing wearables for NFTs. So community can now leverage this open API where they could build their own kind of battle props or items or create their own kinds of wearables. And then by adding value, you can create this little mini virtual world economy. Thanks so much for the breakdown. This has been extremely enlightening, which tends to be the case for some of the conversations I wind up having with people in the the internet computer universe. Thanks for having me. The Internet Computer Weekly has a sister newsletter featuring news, project updates, interesting tidbits and reading that come up over the course of the week. Together they are part of a larger effort at ecosystem building we are calling the Cycle DAO. Visit cycledao.xyz to subscribe and learn more.